MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Traina. Thanks so much for joining me. Joined by my producer, Brandon Nix. Brandon, how are you? I'm good, Jimmy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Give me a quick uh, NBA Finals prediction. You got Milwaukee, Toronto, Golden State, Portland. What will we see in the finals? Uh, I have Golden State and Toronto. Golden State and Toronto. Okay. With Golden State winning in six and Steph Curry being the MVP. Oh, you got it all figured out already. You're not even mm-hmm. going to wait to see how this seri- these series play out? Mm-mm. Okay. Nah. Right. Mm-mm. Uh, NBA is center stage right now. Last week on this podcast, we had Mike Breen on. He calls the Western Conference Finals and then the NBA Finals for ESPN. So if you haven't checked that out, go give it a download and a listen. This week's show, two interviews. First up, media columnist for the Boston Globe, Chad Finn. We got into the NBA ratings and how things will fare here in the conference finals without LeBron and what the NBA can expect. We got into the ESPN studio show uh, struggling. Obviously, TNT studio show dominates when it comes to the NBA. So we got into that. We talked a little bit about the PGA coming up with Tiger Woods. And we talked a little bit about Boston sports, Tom Brady, uh, Gronk and the vibe there in Boston and a bunch of other stuff and just going through some uh, sports media news. Um, Brandon, let me ask you this question. NBA draft lottery, which I did not talk about though with Chad Finn. Do you, are you into that? Is that like a big deal to you? I only care about it because of the drama. Right. I, it's it's becoming a big, big, big thing now, and I don't know. It doesn't really – I can't say I get overly excited. I mean, I get excited for it just to see fans sweat. I mean, we are in New York, so yeah, Knicks yeah. fans are just real nervous today. Yeah, and they got nothing else, so. I, I, I've been declaring today Hug a Knicks Fan Day. They, they, they might need the hug if it doesn't work out. 
<laughs> They're going to need it regardless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after after we get, we, there's a lot of NBA talk with Chad Finn, and after that, uh, Brian Curtis from the Ringer joins us. Brian wrote an article for the Ringer uh, about the amount of sportscasters who are diehard Howard Stern fans. Howard is in the news this week because he has a book out. Came out Tuesday. Howard Stern comes again, and Brian Curtis always writes these phenomenal articles. He comes at it from an interesting angle, and I thought this was a great sort of way to connect Howard and sports. So we talked to Brian about those two things and uh, his articles. So without further ado, again, quickly, Mike Breen in the archives. Check that out. Ian Rappaport, NFL Insider, two weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we had Jim Nance. If you haven't listened to any of those, check them out. Download, subscribe, rate, review. And then, of course, do the same for this episode with Chad Finn and Brian Curtis. We get it started right now with Chad Finn. All right, joining me now is Boston Globe media columnist Chad Finn to go through some sports media news. Chad, how are you? I'm good, man. I think the uh, last time I was on, Marshawn was still a baseball writer. Andrew Marshan was still a baseball writer, probably. He's 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 got his hands full right now with Mike Francesa. We'll have Andrew on uh, sometime down the road. Oh, yeah. Um, but before we get into sports media stuff, give me a little taste of Boston right now. The Celtics lost. Uh, I know the Bruins were they were playing a lot on the same night. Who who which team gets more juice in this city? Uh, the Bruins. Um, really? Last year was the first time. Yeah, last year was the first time in, God, I want to say six or seven years where uh, the Celtics actually did better on the regional cable network that carries them here than the, the Bruins did. Nesson and uh, Kessa Bruins and, and uh, NBC Sports Boston carries the Celtics. And uh, last year, the Celtics had a really compelling team, really likable team. You know, Hayward getting hurt five minutes into it or whatever it was, and Irving getting hurt after 60 games was still kind of the opposite of what they ended up with this year where uh, it was a really easy team to root for that went to game seven of these finals. So they, they captured the imagination of Boston sports fans and the Bruins weren't great last year. They were good. Uh, that slipped back this year. I mean, the Bruins look like they're going to at least cruise to the Stanley cup. They're up 2-0 as we talk here in the East. And, uh, you know, they had the edge this year, regional nationally. They, uh, NBC's getting great numbers for, for the hot playoffs. Uh, especially around here, I think they got a fourteen eight for game two. So uh, that uh, it's it's more hockey town than the basketball town when all things are equal. Is Kyrie public enemy number one in Boston right now, or is there another Boston sports <laughs> athlete who would take that title? Uh, uh, Terry Rozier has taken it to the yeah. day. He went first take this morning, basically said he needed the ball more. <laughs> Considering he's the seventh or eighth guy in the roster and second in usage in terms of uh, having the ball in his hands over the course of the season, only Kyrie had it more. Uh, and I think he's second usage rate. Uh, he comes out looking like a real problem. And we knew that watching him play. I mean, he was one of those guys where if the Celtics got up 10 points, uh, points he would start and get his own. Just He never passed all at the end of a quarter. He would always try to hit the uh, long three, look off whoever was ahead of him. Just uh, he's free agent. He's out there trying to get his contract. But to see him go on with Kellerman and Stephen A. and basically say, "Yeah, the reason we uh, disappointed this year was because I didn't play enough." Uh, I mean, that's pretty eye-opening. So, throws ears day around here to get burned. But Kyrie was. 
See, you convinced me Rogier was a problem as soon as you said he went on first take this morning. You didn't even need to go into the, You didn't even have to mention the other stuff. And he's got some sort of media tour. And, you know, I've been hearing from people saying today, is he the, is he the worst player to go on a post, uh, you know, pre-free agency, <laughs> post-disappointing uh, playoff end uh, media tour. But yeah, they know what he's going to say, and they know he's going to probably reveal some uh, things about this dysfunctional Celtics team that will make for good copy and, you know, good, uh, good stuff on Twitter and all of that. So probably pretty smart to have him on. It's a great topic. The the worst players to go on media tours. That that would be a fun one to dip into. But uh, we you, the Celtics are out. But uh, ABC and TNT have gotten good ratings for the NBA playoffs so far. Now in the Eastern Conference, they get a little bit of a problem with Milwaukee, Toronto because Toronto doesn't rate in the U.S. and Milwaukee is Milwaukee. I'm not sure Portland. Um, you know, could be an issue too there. But well, let me ask you this: Do you do you, do you think what what do you think the bigger problem might be here in the conference finals for ABC TNT? The markets or no LeBron James? Because while that was not felt in the first two rounds, I, I'd be surprised if you don't feel if if they if they don't miss LeBron a little bit uh in this round because the conference finals, you know, they're they're all prime time, nine o'clock usually, uh ABC TNT and that's when LeBron would sort of capture America, then going into the final. So I'm wondering uh, the bigger issue here for ESPN and uh, ABC going into the conference finals. I think it's probably the markets. I mean, LeBron's the, your equivalent of a bankable action star where you knew if he was there. And what was it, seven years in a row you reached the finals? Seven, yeah. seven or eight, I think it was seven. Uh, so it was a constant, and it was a recurring story that added a new chapter every year. Uh, that was really valuable to them. But and, and, brought, the, and, and brought in the fringe fan. Right, yeah. Name recognition's off the charts. I think they have that, though, with Golden State. Uh, you know, ABC and, CBS, ABC and ESPN have the Western Conference here. <laughs> and you have that with Curry. Uh, you had it to whatever degree if Durant even plays. He's pretty close to that level, too. Um, but what really hurts them is you just look, and, and I think last year's markets, uh, Cleveland was the smallest market. It's around 19, I think. Uh, the other three are top 10, you know, Oakland, San Francisco, they had the Celtics, and Houston, uh, those are the top 10 markets. Another year, you got Milwaukee, that's 36, and they wow. got this uh, most likable superstar probably in the league, in Giannis, right. but 36, you know, that's pretty far down the list, and yeah. then Toronto doesn't even register. Portland's 22, and I actually, I'm one of those people, I think I'm the minority, that thinks Portland's going to give Golden State a better series than uh, than expected, but still, we might be looking at short series here with, with uh, relatively small markets, and that that adds up to uh, kind of a bummer, particularly for the Western Conference. I, I'd love to know, I mean, I guess you'd have to know what America's thinking first, but I'd love to know what ESPN and TNT are thinking in terms of this. I think if Portland would ever beat Golden State, I think a lot of hardcore NBA fans would like that because I do think there's uh, warrior fatigue out there and, and backlash against the super team. On the flip side, you, you still have to think the Warriors in the finals would bring better ratings than the Blazers in the finals. So it's an interesting <laughs> dilemma there. Yeah, definitely. Uh I guess they probably have to be rooting for Milwaukee too, just because Toronto doesn't register at all. Right. And you can get 
people from NBC talking about how, you know, they celebrate a little bit when the Canadian teams go out in the NHL playoffs because uh, that has no value to them. So it's the same way with the NBA right now. It, it should be a great series with for on TNT with, uh, you know, Kawhi and Giannis going head-to-head and two right. really, really good and pretty evenly matched teams. But the national appeal isn't going to be there. And I, I think in the West, uh, they got to be begging for Golden State to advance just because it, they are – there is Golden State fatigue for sure, but there's also that element if Durant is out for the whole run here, and I kind of get the sense that's how it's going to be, that uh, there's that whole element now where it's kind of the gang is back together. It's Ian Thompson, the guys who started this thing, and I think that makes them a little bit likable. But they're not uh, they're not struck as a, a true super team when Durant is out there. Uh, the group that they started with when this all began. There's a little bit more likability to that. And right. just their national appeal. I mean, you can't go to a, a high school basketball game without seeing some kid wearing a Warriors shirt or a bunch of them. So they have that national appeal. They have a fairly big market. And uh, I think you've got ESPN execs on the on the phone. They would tell you off the record that they really, really want the Warriors to win this thing. Right. I, but I would, I would, I would, my guess, I would assume, my prediction would be, Let's say it's a Warriors Bucks finals just for shits and giggles. Let's say that's what it ends up being. The country is going to be rooting for the Bucks because I think, like you said, Giannis is so likable. And yeah. ESPN will, they will do about 5,000 features on Giannis for the two weeks that the finals goes on. They will shove them down your throat to no end. And I agree with you that, you know, with Durant's sideline, it's back to that 73-win team. that was, But they're still thought of as this super team who's, you know, buying right. titles. by. So I do think the Bucks would become America's darlings, with, which is an interesting thought to have the Milwaukee Bucks as America's darlings. But I think with Giannis there, that's what would happen <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it would, I, that, that's absolutely what would happen. Uh, I wonder if the Bucks would catch on as America's darlings. Right, because right. Because... You know, Giannis is incredibly appealing for sure, and he's got a great outgoing personality. But who's who's the second guy they're going to sell you on there? Exactly, Colton. Yeah. You know? yeah, is it uh, Brook Lopez? I mean, uh, it's a really well constructed team. It's the, it's the only sixty win team in the league. Uh, the one that they deserve to be where they are, and they probably deserve to win the title this year. But the, as far as the uh, you know the sexiness factor of that team, I mean, it's it's. It, it, it's not going to have a huge appeal to a national audience, no matter how much right. uh, they tell us how great Giannis is. Yeah, ESPN executives were probably in in crying more than Joel Embiid when the Sixers lost because <laughs> they could have, you <laughs> know, like Embiid, Butler, Ben Simmons, you know, and then of course the Philly market. So that, yeah, you know, that was a ESPN. I'm sure, like I said, that they shed more tears than than Embiid. Um, you know, one thing that really comes to light, I've, I've mentioned this on Twitter many times, it's not rocket science, it's not like I'm saying anything here that anyone else can't figure out, but my God, when you watch that TNT studio show with Ernie, Chuck, Kenny, and Shaq, and then, you know, the next night you're watching ESPN with Michelle Beadle and Jalen Rose and Paul Pierce, and I think they brought in uh, Rajon Rondo, um, I mean, you want to talk about night and day. It's Absolutely. A, it's shocking to me that ESPN, I know they've changed that cast a million times. I mean, they've had um, Bill Simmons and Magic and Wilbon and Sage Steele. But, I, I mean, this is, 
this is not good what they got going on right now. <laughs> well, we like it here because we want. Uh, it happened to be that when uh, the Celtics ultimately fell apart and Kyrie, Kyrie basically quit, uh, you know, halfway through Game Six. I mean, I've never seen an athlete quit like he did in a, a player of his magnitude. We were looking forward to it because Rondo and Pierce, we knew we were going to get on there and trash him. Right, <laughs> and right. that's uh, the old salty old Celtics from ten years ago. But uh, that's really the only appeal of it. And I don't know how you felt. I mean, I remember when Shaq retired. It was after 2012 or whatever it was. The last he finished up with the Celtics, and then he was done. Mm-hmm. There was a bidding war between TNT, or Turner, and ESPN for him, right. and. Uh, I didn't like the idea at this time of adding him to Kenny and Barkley because they had been Ernie. They had such a good thing going already. But Barkley, uh, but uh, Shaq has been really, really good on that. I think he's improved even more. And, you know, they had that viral clip last week where he got all upset because he didn't get his turn. And right. then Barkley and Kenny just laughed at him and Ernie lost. But uh, that show is must watch. No matter what game you watch before right. it, you want to see what they have to say afterwards. It's what every studio show strives for. And it's very, very rare where where you can have that have that kind of appeal that they do, and they've had it for a long time now. I think Shaq actually adds to it, which I never expected. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights. Speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more with you. And I actually, I think the first year Shaq was there, I didn't like it at all either. I was like, what is he bringing to the table? He's just, you know. Mumbled. Yeah. But he has improved tremendously, and I think, um, listen, everyone knows how good the show is, but what I always am struck by more than anything is that the, they, the way they effortlessly will bounce between giving you the serious analysis and breaking down a game, and Kenny does a great job breaking down the film and, and using that big, big video screen and all that, and then two minutes later, you know, they're eating, making jokes about Barkley being fat and... <laughs> all that stuff. I mean, they transition so effortlessly, and they do it all. Uh, it's it, yeah. I, 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 um, you know, I know she has the jump, and it and it's doing well. But I, I'm I'm shocked ESPN doesn't go to Rachel Nichols for that show. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the the, the jump has, uh, you know, their audience is kind of stagnant. I, I I wrote about it a couple weeks ago, and I think they average like I want to say three hundred and forty thousand. Per, per show, and that, that's kind of basically what it's been over the extent of the run. It hasn't really gained a lot of audience, but mm-hmm. what it's gained is, is 
a lot of fun because you watch it a couple of days in a row and you realize this is what NBA should be, at least in that time slot where uh, you're talking intelligently to the audience. Uh, they assume that you know certain things. They don't refer to, uh, you know, Harden as uh, James Harden as James Harden of the Rockets. It's, it's, it's just Harden. It's just it's, right. you're, you. You feel like you're in on the show, with, whether it's Rachel or you know, Zach Lowe or uh, Pierce and whoever McGrady, who's really good. He's really salty on there. Um, so it, it, that show has caught on, and maybe just what they need to do is move that into prime time. I, they've kind of targeted that show to having that appeal where it's the middle of the day and the NBA guys are actually watching it. It's a little bit different. You just took exactly, it's funny, I was just going to say too, one of the things the jump has going for it and the successful shows like the jump, the TNT show, I I think of my friends there at good morning football. Who I, you know, that's a great show. the, The, the players are into those shows and react to those shows and respond to those shows. That's, you know, the ESPN studio show that, you know, not really happening as much it doesn't seem like at least but i yeah i would um i i think espn's got to do something with the, their nba studio show i mean they get, they're gonna have the finals and to me that just screams for like rachel nichols and mcgrady like you said these people who are really causing waves during the day with the jump but yeah have you always liked rachel in whatever role she's in yeah um you know she i you know i feel like she's um become like this one of the big NBA figures in the last couple of years. I always thought of her as more of a reporter who covered all sports, but I thought she always did a good job um, from day one, really. Yeah, because when she came back, they let her shake that. They, yeah. uh, she, When John Skipper talked to her after she had gone to Turner and she was doing like sideline reporting for the baseball playoffs, uh, you know, and some CNN stuff, and she, she had a lot going on, but it was kind of a – an assortment, when, when ESPN talked to her about coming back, uh, she basically said, it needs to be something that I can't do here, that I'm not going to be able to do here, that appeals to me. And uh, they let her shape the show. I mean, she picked McGrady as her, her number one draft pick among people among ex-players who were attainable. You know, they would have taken Barkley if they could or whoever, but uh, they let her build that show, and I think it's taken a really smart shape. And I give her a lot of credit for that because I, I, you know, she's been around the NBA for 10 years, but I didn't know that she would be so adept at hosting this yeah. kind of show where it was really both inclusive to basketball fans, but also sort of insidery. And uh, I, I really like it. I think maybe, maybe it would be wise to switch it to, to, uh, you know, later on, but I think it would lose something in that regard too. And she's developed great relationships with players and gets them to speak and gets, you know, exclusives with them and gets them to, you know, gets quotes from them that other people can't get. So that's a big factor in it as well. Um, and, and in the interest of fairness, if any ESPN people are listening to this and they're not happy, in the interest of fairness, you know, I think what makes the studio show stand out as being so disappointing is how good their team is calling the games. Yes, I did have Mike Breen on this podcast last week. So, if, um, <laughs> I may be kissing his ass a little, but you can go listen to it in the archives. But Breen Van Gundy Jackson, I mean, that's as good as it gets from, you know, the telecast standpoint. It is. And, uh, you know, they're as sharp as ever, too. They had a uh, they had an absolutely great, uh, great stretch here with the Western Conference playoffs and uh, kind of, you know, I, I always thought Jackson was 
not great right. that you could listen to him for a while and recognize why the Warriors had to make a change with their coaches. But uh, he's gotten more and more candid, more and more pointed about his criticisms. And then you, you know, you hear guys like Curry and Clay Thompson talk about him and what he actually did for Draymond Green, and and that's come through, I think, a little bit more on the broadcast. Is uh, real ability to connect with the players and his actual knowledge of the tactical stuff that's going on. I've you know, Vince Gundy's always been great. He's got a sense of humor about himself. But he he's not shy about making comments that aren't going to go over with uh, half of the population. You know, he will get political from time to time, and I think that's pretty good because he's good at it. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, yeah, that's a, it's a it's a really good broadcast team and one that you know it's been together a while and you still see it improving, which is doesn't always yeah. happen. They're they're very good to listen to. I think they're that you know. Listen, there's great play by play guys, you know, in the NBA with Harlan and Marv, but the Breen Van Gundy Jackson team is is as good as it gets. Um, you let, think Harlan should be doing the, uh, the 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 games now, or are you okay with Marv getting the send off? You know, I know Marv gets a little bit of crap on Twitter, and I think you always have to take that with a grain of salt because it's Twitter. But to me, I, <laughs> here's the thing: people think I'm, you know, I think people think that you know I'm sort of like a tough critic or whatever. I'm a big softy. My philosophy is <laughs> sure you are. I am because here's what I think. I think like a guy like Marv, Marv should do it till Marv doesn't want to do it. I don't care if Marv is messing up every player's name and drooling on the air. Marv is the all time greatest <laughs> NBA play by play man. So he should dictate his own future. Now, having said that, and I've discussed this on the podcast a couple of times, because Marshan has reported a couple of times that TNT when they when they think they're going to make that move and push Marv out of that number one slot, it's going to yeah. go to Brian Anderson. I like Brian Anderson a lot, but if that happens, that's a disgrace. If for anyone to get that gig at TNT other than Harlan and Ian Eagles, great too. But Harlan right. to overlook him and not give him to not have him call an NBA final. Well, ESPN gets the finals, but you know conference finals and be their lead guy. That to me is such a slap in the face because he's by far, I think, he's right there with Marvin Breen. Yeah, I feel like Harlan should get more than he does. You know, he he. I mean, he's got a great, great career in general. He you know oh, yeah. one of the uh, top top games uh, for football on CBS. He does the uh, Westwood one Monday night game, um, so he gets to call the Super Bowl and stuff like that. NCAA and tournament. A, a, yeah, he you know, and and the the second gig at, at TNT TBS, but or Turner, but he should be even more have a higher profile than that, and certainly get more respect than he does. He he's unbelievable. The one he got here, where uh, people were just blown away by how he called it. It wasn't like one of the Patriots Super Bowls or any you know huge NBA game. It was mm. when Gordon Haywood snapped his leg, right? Because he he handled that in real time with. Um, unbelievable compassion, but also telling you what happened. When Hayward was on the ground, he said, oh, you know, something like, oh my God, Gordon Hayward's broken his leg. And he repeated it, and then they went silent. And he must have put his hand over Reggie Miller's mouth, because Reggie Miller never goes silent. Uh, and, and, and you know, would have added something that was completely unnecessary there. And that, that to me, was uh, I don't think of a lot, a lot of broadcasters could have handled that situation in that game starting, uh, you know, season two years ago in the the way that uh, you know the way that that did. And I got a ton of respect for the guy. I think I love how he calls the game. I love his big moment calls. 
um, you know, maybe he's a little over the top, but I think it works 100% of the time for him. And, uh, I, any uh, any higher profile gig that he can get beyond what he has, I'd be all aboard with. I think he's over the top when it's appropriate to be over the top. I think he knows yeah, what to do it. And, and I'll say this, and I you know I don't know how much this matters in the decision making, and um, you know this from I mean there are very 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 few people in this business who you can <laughs> say like I've never heard a bad word about. I've never heard anyone say a bad word about Kevin Harlan. I, I, one of the nicest men I think in this business. So. Um, you know, it'd be nice if that counted for something. Um, and like I said, I you know, this is Brian Anderson's great too, but Harlan's done it longer. I think fans love Harlan. I think there's an attachment to Kevin Harlan. And if they ever like I said, if TNT ever made a move on Marv, I I, I just can't I can't believe they'd go anywhere other than Harlan. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, Anderson's one of their guys. He's got the, the baseball playoffs and uh, you know, here Locally, there's, there's always been kind of some backlash to him because Don Orsillo kind of got bumped aside so that right. he's the Red Sox broadcaster forever. He's the the third uh, broadcaster TNT, TBS would use during the baseball playoffs. And when they lost one of the rounds of the playoffs, I can't remember which one it was, but in the last television rights deal, he kind of got bumped out because he wasn't a full-time TBS Turner broadcaster like Anderson is considered. So he's gotten some pretty good gigs there already he is good i like him on the on the college basketball too but there's nothing that distinctive about him he's just good at his job you recognize green you recognize kevin harlan uh here in boston mike gorman who had the big east games forever on espn he's as good as it gets calling the nba and uh mike brian anderson is just somebody who's good at the job but i don't think he jumps out as number one national broadcaster on an nba game yeah i agree uh, shifting away from the NBA, we've got the PGA coming up this weekend, and obviously now Tiger comes off the Masters win. Uh, do you expect big ratings and big interest in Tiger, uh, or is there a fall off because it's not the Masters? What 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 do you expect from the PGA here this weekend in terms of? Yeah, I think interest? it'll be huge. I didn't look at what the uh, numbers were last year. Was I think? Was the PGA later last year? I feel like it was. I, but, I uh, honestly don't know, so I don't want to yeah. guess. <laughs> I think it was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he has a, a tangible effect. And, and uh, you know, it was harder to read during the Masters what that effect was because of the crappy weather they had for the final round. It started early, so right. you'd get all the ratings and uh, for, for that final round, and you're expecting to be up 8 9 10%. Instead, they were down a little bit. Uh, I think it was 11 percent 10 or 11 percent they were down because it started 7 30 in the morning or whatever it was so they had this sort of uh uh you know strange approach to putting out the putting out their press release on what the ratings were where they compared it to 34 years ago which is the last time the masters and final round of the masters had started that early but uh there was a huge effect through the whole tournament through the whole four rounds because because Tiger was uh, in contention and ultimately won the thing. And I think that carries over to every major certainly will have an impact on the PGA here. I just, I couldn't put a number on how much bigger it will be, but it will be bigger. Yeah. Well, and he'll, but he has to, you know, he has to still be there on Saturday and Sunday to get, yeah, I mean, the, right. if he ever, if something really, if something happened where, you know, he played so badly that he's not there on Saturday or Sunday, I think that, then you'd see maybe record they low. They might not even televise it anymore. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, what's the point? <laughs> Um, yeah, that'd yeah. be heartbreaking for uh, for them. 
And you know, it's interesting. I, now, listen, I don't, uh, anyone who listens to this podcast, follows me on Twitter, they know that, you know, I hate Donald Trump and I think he's the worst person in the world. So, but <laughs> I don't, it. now I don't, so, but I want to be clear. I don't think this way. This is not my mentality, but it is interesting that after Tiger won the Masters and then Trump gave him the Medal of Freedom and, um, Tiger went there and was all chummy with Donald Trump, which, you know, when you see anyone chummy with Donald Trump, you want to puke. But I'm <laughs> interested. I'm interested if there, you know, when it was when the Masters was going on, the, you know, love fest on Twitter for Tiger Woods was as over the top as anything you'd ever see in your life, especially from people in the media. And I think so. I don't think the, anyone in the media will be down on Tiger you know, if he's in contention for the PGA, but I'm wondering if for any fans, there'll be any sort of like, oh, he, you know, hung out with Trump and was chummy with Trump. I hope he loses because no one was thinking that during the Masters. And then the photo op comes out after that. Now, again, there's not even though I hate Trump, this is not what I'm saying. But I, I, I wonder if it'll be any sort of factor for some people because people are nuts these days. Yeah, uh, well, the, the anti-Trump people just rationalize it away. I mean, the, the, there's you know, bigger stuff with him to worry about anyway. But, right. uh, I mean, we do it here in New England with Robert Kraft and Brady. You know, uh, their Kraft's relationship with Trump is, is pretty obvious, but this, there's always been sort of some gray area with Brady because Brady and, uh, you know, with the advice of his wife stopped talking about it, and, and it came out. I think it was in Mark Leibovich's book. It came out that the Make America Great Again hat that was in Brady's locker, Kraft put there. So... Uh, you know, Brady was a golf buddy of his. Right. I don't know what their relationship is now. Kraft still has a real one. And we'll here in Boston, you, if you're an anti-Trump person, uh, you just kind of have to set it to the side if you're rooting for the Patriots. Right. Uh, I, always... I think people will do that with Tiger as well. And people in the media who, let's admit it, gain enormous benefit from Tiger being successful. People in the golf media, right. they'll do the same thing. I think you just look at it and say, you know yeah. what, there's two rich guys with a lot of baggage who... Uh, kind of makes sense that they would be friends other than the fact that you know trump probably doesn't have a lot of friends with the tiger's racial background <laughs> you know i always thought i always thought brady got a bad rap with that whole thing because um uh, you know he had the hat and it was way before you know trump became this deranged sociopath that he is now so like i don't <laughs> And I, I never got the impression that like Tom Brady was like, you know, best friends with Donald Trump and hanging out. Like you said, they were golf buddies. Um, but, you know, he gets pegged now as like, you know, being in Trump's inner circle. It's a little it's a little unfair, I think, to Tom. And, I, and especially, I mean, if you've followed Giselle on Instagram or whatever, you, she has. Right. She makes her feelings clear. And I don't think um, he'd be on the opposite end of the spectrum of his wife on that. So I think Brady gets a little unfair rap when it comes to his quote, you know, friendship with, with Trump. He does. For one thing, he's in this bubble. It's right. this uh, TB12 Patriots bubble where he's not paying attention to stuff like that. It seems weird to say because he's an intelligent guy and he's, you know, barely, I think a well-rounded human being away from football, but he's so immersed in this uh, that he, wasn't really paying attention to what was going on in the, in the presidential race. Uh, his relationship with, with Trump goes back to when Brady burst onto the scene in 2001, you know, that the, the Patriots back when they were likable nationwide, won the 
uh, won the Super Bowl over the Rams. And Brady had a lot of opportunities that he never had before. He became super famous overnight. You never knew who he was, a Michigan quarterback. And, and uh, you know, coming in for Bledsoe, his, his fame escalated. But when they won the Super Bowl, it went to a whole different level. And he, Trump gave him the opportunity to judge uh, what Miss America, Miss Universe, whatever the one he right, owns right. is. They became friends. They became golf buddies over over time. And uh, Brady's sort of lack of awareness of what the guy is really all about, I, I think, led him to a little bit more of a joking manner about their friendship right. than he realized was appropriate at that time. And right. I think if you got an honest response from him now, he would say he separated himself from that. I mean, he didn't go to the White House last time they won. And I seriously doubt he goes the next time here, uh, you know, if they do end up going for their last Super Bowl victory. Yeah, and and he and in New York, I mean, Trump was friends with all the athletes. I mean, he was always at Yankee games. He was always at Nick games, and a lot of the athletes were friends with Trump before you know twenty sixteen and twenty fifteen. I guess it really all started when he went on his racist media tour to demand the first black president show his birth certificate. That's right. when he sort of made the heel turn. And but before that, he was a fixture in like sort of the New York sports scene. So I I. So I get the connection there with Brady, like you explained perfectly, and I always thought Tom uh, got a little bum rap. You know, I wasn't. This is totally off the beaten path, but since you mentioned it, and you're as connected to Boston as anything, I'm just curious because we saw Brady at the Met Gala a couple of weeks ago, and you know he's building up his uh, social media presence. Now I, I love Tom Brady. I think he's the best quarterback who's ever played the game. I, to me, he's. I like watching him play more than any other player. Always have. I've been turned off the last couple of years by the TB12 sort of snake oil salesman aspect of it. In Bo- yeah. in Boston, I would assume nobody even questions the TB12 stuff, right? Like just they just overlook it completely and no one gets bothered by it. Uh, fan base does for the most part. You know, you, you kind of, uh, I think you look at it and say, well, He's, what was he, 42 now? It, it works. He's still playing at an enormously high level. Although, you know, we saw some some cracks in the foundation last year. He did not play well in the Super Bowl at all. Uh, you wonder what level he's going to be at this year. But, you know, he had the book, and uh, he has his business, and, and that's clearly the, the next step he's taking in his life. And as long as he's winning football games, it's it's, it's fine with everybody here. It's working. Uh, media-wise, this is been quite a bit of criticism and you tend to get backlash for that for sure we've right. with the globe we've had you know shaughnessy writes about it a lot uh bob holler did a, a pretty big dig investigation on on alex guerrero who's kind of brady's guru uh, you know brady's uh shady <laughs> uh he's got some baggage in the past but he's yeah. kind of his guru and his partner and all of this and uh did a little bit of digging there so it's uh, yeah, I think the media has done its due diligence and, and it has the natural skepticism that you want to have in terms of what this is all about. But the, the fan base, understandably to me, just doesn't want to hear it because Brady's still right. uh, still, still yeah. the quarterback of the Patriots and a damn good one. I get that. I get that because, I mean, as a diehard Yankee fan, when I, you know, everyone wants to bash Jeter now for ruining the Marlins and I just, you know, <laughs> I tune it out and I say, you know, I just look at the five World Series rings and that's it. I, you know, that's so I get why the fans do that. I I love and here's the thing about Brady, like the TB12 stuff. It turns me off so much, but he's such a likable guy. Like I, I think he's such a likable guy. Like you could just he's not a bad guy on any level. You could just tell. No, he's a decent human being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. the same with Gronkowski in a different kind of way. But, um, you know, you. I've been, I was around the Patriots not so much recently, but for a five or six year stretch where I covered every home game and saw how Brady interacted with, with 
the guys in the lock, the you know the, the the people picking up the towels in the locker room, right? And, you know that sort of thing. And right. He treats everybody well, and yeah. he always has, and he's never deviated from that. And you you know you could you could very easily become a dick being you know having the level of fame that he does. In some ways, right. you could justify it. You know, it's it's never ending the requests and people wanting just a picture or you know, to point at you and, and, uh, you, you don't get a break. And he's, he's handled that incredibly well. And Kronkowski was the same way. He embraced the fame yeah. a little bit more. Uh, but he was <laughs> the, the guy who, you know, he connected with every, every kid you saw that uh, came into his path at, at Patriots practice or that sort of thing. And yeah. it's, it's, it's reassuring to see that because, um, you know, you see the national perception of these guys sometimes. So the, the hot take perception that, you know, Gronkowski parties too much and he's not, uh, disciplined or, you know, Brady's at this heightened level where, uh, you know, he's, he's on inaccessible as a human being. And that's just not true in either case. Yeah. And, uh, I it's, it's good to see that it's, it's, it's because it's not really fair to say there's something less than what they are. I have to say, I haven't seen any backlash against Gronk, but I, that might just be me. I, I think for the most part, he's sort of universally loved, but I, and also, by the way, if you're listening to this, if you're one of my listeners, I love you. And if, you, but do me a favor, if you're, if you're about to fire up a tweet to me about deflate gate and Brady, don't, I don't care. So just please don't, <laughs> I'm not going to respond and I don't care. Uh, last thing before I let you go, cause, um, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Fox now, you know, they're, they're going to try to make a big push here with college football. They have a whole new college football studio show with urban Meyer, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart. Um, they're going to put their best game at noon now every week. Yeah. I think that was announced at the upfront. Uh, I find that strange only because don't, I mean, they air the pack. One of their packages is the pack 10. So they're basically saying there'll never be a pack 10 pack 12 game. That's the best game of the week. Cause they're not going to play the game at 9am and you know, at USC. So I guess you're always going to get a big 10 game there. Maybe big 12 and the game's going to be at 11am locally. It's a weird move in terms of the schedule what do you what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean the big window there is just like it is for the nfl it's in that three o'clock four o'clock range so right. they, in some ways it's going to be a detriment to put their best game there um but it's really interesting to see them kind of gunning for espn i mean they have partnerships on these the, the three of the big conferences right big 10 pac 10 and uh what is it big 12 the other one yeah. uh and yet they're they're very clearly taking that 25 to 30 million subscriber base advantage that they have because ESPN's cable and Fox is not. Uh, so they're, they're in that many more homes that they're, they're, they're taking that and trying to leverage it into beating probably the best thing ESPN has in terms of college football, which is not a, a specific game broadcast, but just the, the popularity that game day has. And, uh, I don't know if it works. I mean, yeah. I, I guess putting a live game up against game day, uh, is, is, uh, you know, well, but it's not the game going to draw some audience. But, but game I think day, the, the, the game day ends the at noon. Majority of college football fans will watch game day still. Yeah, but game day ends at noon. Yeah. So and they're starting their game at noon. So they there's no them to switch over. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's going to yeah. be a lot of. Cro yeah. I don't. Yeah. I. I don't think people are going to. I don't know. I don't see Fox doing any damage to game day. I just think it's yeah. too institutionalized at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, they've spoken openly about that. I don't know if they have the. I mean, reuniting the USC group there with Liner and Bush, and then Brady Quinn in there. I don't know if that's the no, uh, nobody cares. That's the lineup that's going to do it. Nobody cares. Plus, here's the thing: I'd rather miss the first five minutes of whatever game Fox is airing at noon to see Corso put the stupid mascot <laughs> head on and make his I was make say his the pick. Same thing. Yeah, 
I mean, good luck beating that. That's as good as it gets on a Saturday morning. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I talked to somebody at ESPN about that, and they said the exact same thing. Uh, those two words, uh, yeah. good luck. Watch, ESPN's going to put – they'll push their pregame show now to, you know, 12.05, and they'll make sure Corso puts the hat on at noon just to, you know, stick it to Fox. Um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, I don't see how that's going to work for them. But uh, I like the fact that they're being aggressive about it anyway. It's always good for us, actual uh, genuine hatred. That's true. That is true. That's good content for us. All right, I appreciate you coming on and uh, hitting on all these topics, and um, I guess good luck to the Bruins there in Boston, and hopefully uh, we'll see what happens here in the NBA Finals. Uh, Boston, will they completely tune out of the NBA Finals now? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's all about the drama here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think everybody's pulling for the Bucks just because they wiped out the Celtics right. with the talkie season. All right. I appreciate it, Chad. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely have you on again soon. Sorry, buddy. Good All talking right. to you. You too. Thanks. All right. My thanks to Chad Finn. We're going to now talk to Brian Curtis of The Ringer. Before we get to Brian, first, a quick word from our sponsor. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, joining me now from The Ringer, had him on in December because he wrote a phenomenal story on Fox getting the NFL getting into the NFL business many years ago and now he wrote another phenomenal story and this I literally read the story about 10 minutes before the podcast started and messaged him and he's kind enough to come on in like an hour's notice Brian Curtis from The Ringer Brian how are you I'm not going to say baba booey but you uh, should hi. how are you yes. um hey now um you wrote an article for The Ringer called The Stat Pack, Why Sportscasters Idolize Howard Stern. 
if anyone out there is not a Howard Stern fan and doesn't know what's going on, Howard has a new book that came out on Tuesday called Howard Stern Comes Again. Um, well, before we can get into what you wrote, uh, you know, Stern did say that he's going to do Bill Simmons's podcast. Um, is that happening? I haven't heard much about it since Howard said that. Do you know? Can you, can you give us a, like? I haven't either. But man, that's like that's like a you put chocolate in my peanut butter <laughs> moment. You know, for me. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just yeah. That, I can't even wrap my mind around that. That's got to be a bucket list item for for Bill. I would assume. I without knowing that I would say there's a hundred percent chance that's true. <laughs> now, are you a diehard Stern fan? I would say I would say like I'm a medium. A medium. So Matthew Berry of ESPN in the article said he was an eight out of ten, right? Uh, which meant that he was somewhere south of Marianne from Brooklyn, right? So I'd put myself a few few steps lower, but you know, okay. familiar with the universe and certainly listened to many many hours of it. Okay, I'd put myself at an eight as well. I think. Um, when, what was your introduction and how did you get started discovering him and all that? You know, it's, I think it was from friends in high school and it was just that era where everybody decided that they hated all the top 40 stations mm -hmm. in town. In my case, this would be forward Texas. And it was exactly the phenomenon that Stern used to become famous, which is, all those dudes who are spinning records and talking like DJs talk aren't half as cool as me and half as funny as me. Right. And I remember my friends just telling me this and telling me this over and over again. I was kind of more of a sports radio guy, much, much nerdier. <laughs> and, um, and then I started listening and I was like, Oh wow, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> I've for never sure. heard anything like this before. Right. Do you remember like, do you have a first memory of something you heard a guest, an interview a bit? It's funny because, you know, we're talking in now kind of in his, uh, you know, 60-something serious incarnation about his celebrity interviews, right. but which are now, you know, kind of more long for me and more serious. But, you know, I remember the old ones he used to do, and I think that was kind of maybe the first thing that stuck with me that when, you know, Seinfeld would call in mm -hmm. or, you know, from the completely other side of the coin, your, your typical Richard Simmons moment in the studio or something. Because they were just so different, right. and he was asking them weird questions. Yeah, um, you know, he just wanted to talk about their sex lives and all that kind of stuff. But he also just wanted like it was just totally different than what the major celebrity interview at the time was, which is late night TV. Right. And I remember as a kid, I couldn't even wrap my mind around why it was different or what. But I was just like, I've just never heard celebrities talk like this. Yes. And that was huge. And it's funny you say that because for me, I remember being blown away. And this gets into your article on The Ringer when Al Michaels went on after the OJ thing. Um, and <laughs> so I want to get into that. I'll give you. But it's funny. You mentioned Richard Simmons. So my I first discovered Howard Stern on his Channel 9 show locally here in New York before the radio show. And I will never forget. I have a terrible, terrible, terrible memory. And this I will never forget as long as I live. It was a Saturday night. The show came on at like 1130. I remember my parents being out. I think with my aunt and uncle at dinner or something and I'm flipping the channels and he had Richard Simmons on with two extremely <laughs> overweight people. So I don't know if this bit would even be allowed today and I'm overweight so I can make, I can laugh at this bit. So he had two just, you know, very large people on and he had a fishing pole from across the desk and on the end of the fishing pole was a bag of potato chips and he was waving it in their faces to see if they would eat it. And then a turkey oh, dropped man. down from the ceiling. And 
the, the overweight people are like, we're not tempted by this. We're staying on our diets. And Howard is with the fishing pole waving the food in front of their face. And Richard Simmons is having an absolute conniption. And I said, and I remember laughing to the point where I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, this is the most insane genius thing I've ever seen in my life. And then I was like, I got to listen to this guy on the radio. And um, that was it. That was how it got started. And I remember, so obviously the prank call to Peter Jennings on the night of the OJ chase is probably the most famous prank call of all, um, where the guy says he sees OJ and he seems scared. And then he says, Baba Booey to you all. And Peter Jennings has no clue that it's a prank call and he goes right along with it. And Al Michaels gets on the phone and to tell Peter Jennings that it's not real. And Peter, that call was totally farcical less than anyone think and then i remember like two weeks later al michaels came on the show and like talked about it i'm like wait a second wait a second howard is mocking and making his colleague look like a complete ass and al comes on and is laughing about it i'm like how does abc allow like it blew me away that al was (laughs) but al has always been a diehard stern fan and, and, you know, and it's one of the things I wanted to get at in this piece is back in those days, right, to have a proper, anybody from the proper world of network TV yep. come into that universe was mind-blowing. Yep, absolutely. Because in those days, those were two totally different universes. And you and I are old enough to remember this. When network TV, quote-unquote, mainstream media was this thing. Right. And it never really crossed over with that other world, which was more, it's certainly popular, right? But more fringe and, you know, and, you know, weird and different and all that stuff. And yeah, when he came on and, and Stern ripped Jennings through the whole interview, yeah. just made fun of him. And Al's kind of sitting there, you know, laughing, you know, like a lot of people <laughs> went on that show. Yeah. And yeah. kind of dodging yeah. punches and, and talking about, and, 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 but, but also really landing on thick, right? Yeah. Howard, you're the best and all this stuff. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty wild. It was, that I remember being because you had that was the time when Billy West was also on the show, and Billy was doing the Al Michaels and Peter Jennings impersonations, and yeah, um, Billy West as, as Al Michaels was going, Peter, you're such a blockhead, and you know how dumb are you, Peter? And Al Michaels is in studio. I mean, if that happened today, the network would fire Al Michaels. You know what I mean? Like it was so wild back then <laughs> that that would take place. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you listen to this old stuff, and including that you just realize like what the world was like before YouTube yeah. and what it was like before somebody could grab a clip. And, and it's funny because, you know, when he talks, when Stern has talked and all the interviews have been about his new self, right? right. His, the, the, the grown up Howard, quote unquote, the mature Howard, the evolved Howard, all that stuff. Right. I, you know, I think part of it is, and we can talk about this, but I think part of it is there's certainly a personal motivation. He's been to therapy. He obviously sees the world differently. He wants to be a different kind of person. But there's got to be a commercial motivation to this, too, because I just don't think you would survive very long in this world doing that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just don't I don't he was always, you know, I don't care what the FCC says. I don't care what my critics think. I'm gonna do what I want. But the world has changed enough. Right. that I just think there's a there's a point where you just can't do it anymore. And And I think he is. He is nothing if not, you know, perceptive about how to be big, and I think he's made a decision. Yeah. See, this is a bad topic for me because I could literally go seven or eight hours on this and still have more to say. I, I can because it's a it's a fascinating. He, he has so, there's so much backlash from quote unquote fans. I mean, again, how much stock yeah. do you want to put in the internet and Reddit and stuff like that? But people are so angry that he is quote unquote changed. 
And I agree with you that there is a commercial aspect to it. Um, but I also think it's also a very simple thing. Like he's 65 years old. Uh, you, mm-hmm. you can't be 65 years old throwing pieces of bologna at a girl's ass covered in mayonnaise. Like you just can't do that if you're 60. Well, now listen, you can't do that now, period, in this era. But I was going to say, right. what is the appropriate right. age to do but, that? But yes, exactly. I, I take your point. But at 65, like, you're just not going to be able to do that. And I do think, I do think he sort of, I think he got off on the sort of, um, you know, it became a thing where people said he's the best interviewer. He does the best interviews. And, and I think a big part of that, this is not taking away from him. I don't want it to come across that way, but I think a big part of that is because he's on Sirius where he doesn't have to go to commercials and he can do an hour and a half. Absolutely. I mean, that is a huge factor in it. But like you said, his, I thought his interviews on terrestrial were always great too. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, he's got this creative freedom and it's one thing I want to ask these sportscasters about yeah. when I was talking to this piece because it's just so different sportscasting, right? Being the most programmed thing in the history of media, you know, talk for this many seconds and then shut up and then throw it to commercial and, and do all this stuff. And, you know, even Joe Buck was telling me about, you know, when he was doing his interview show, um, you know, it was, there were a lot of constraints and you kind of had to interview people in a certain way, right? right. Kind of come around this career arc and, you know, kind of hit these moments and all this stuff. Whereas a Stern interview, he just does whatever he wants and, you know, he can just go. Right. And, and I do think that's the key to it. I just think people, especially in this world we live in, um, where people are listening to podcasts now and they don't, you know, Stern was always rejecting all the worst parts of terrestrial radio anyway. Right. And now, even though he hates podcasts, he has <laughs> embraced in his own very particular way the podcast R- ethic, right. which is this interview should just be as long as it needs to be, and it should be about what it needs to be about. And that's it. Right. And we, don't, we shouldn't have to plug anything. We shouldn't have to hit these marks. We should just do it, and that's, that's what makes them so good. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And the other... I love this as a as a Howard Stern fan, and I this is why I was so when I just when you tweeted out the article, I got excited just from the tease of the article, and then obviously I I, I really enjoyed what you wrote. The stat pack why sportscasters idolize Howard Stern, as you know, and if you're listening to this and you're not a diehard Stern fan, but you're still with us. I mean, one of the fascinating things about Howard for me, at least, and one of the things I love about him, is that he knows nothing about sports. And when I when I say nothing, no. I mean literally nothing. <laughs> it's actually it's his You know, he talks. You know, the, when he does that show, his last show before the Super Bowl, he's talking about how he's not watching it. He has no interest. And um, and then you tie it in with what you wrote about all these sportscasters love him and Al Michaels, Joe Buck. These are great guests on his show. So there's, it's a very interesting sort of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for there? You know, it, it, it's an odd mix there. He hates sports, and these sportscasters love him and are great guests on his show. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fabulous. I love this moment in the 1994 interview with Al Michaels that you mentioned earlier where he turns out and he says, Al, what are you doing in town anyway? <laughs> yeah. and, and Al Michaels the night before has announced Monday Night Football from Giant Stadium. Monday Night Football in 1994, right? right? Top 10 show, you know, like huge huge television show Howard has no idea what he's doing there and but yeah it's fun and it's funny like all these guys told me that really Gary Delabate is the sports guy on that show yeah. and he is the one in many cases who lobbied to get these guys on and kind of said like hey Howard you know there's Joe Buck and he's a sports announcer but he's a really interesting guy and he wrote in his book all this stuff about his dad and all this stuff about you know his hair transplants and just stuff you can get into and make it an interesting something that you connect with on your level right and you know matthew barry said the same thing you know he said like gary and some other people on the show i think went to bat for him and said you know this guy was a screenwriter so he can tell you about like crocodile dundee three you know stuff that so you can kind of connect it to howard because howard doesn't know what fantasy sports is either right. i don't know anything about sports anything about fantasy sports right. but y'all there's just this way that they sell sportscasters to him by saying these are interesting dudes and you can get deep with them and you can make a connection like you would with you know any celebrity and well and another great point you made in your piece is that joe buck who face well faced and still faces ridiculously in my opinion a lot of backlash online and from twitter actually won over a lot of people when he went on howard and was so open and did a great interview with howard yeah, I looked on like Howard Reddit, and they love Joe Buck. Yeah, he's a great guest. You know, it's like I, di I didn't think I'd like this interview, but man, this was awesome. Right, right. And that's what it's funny because that's what Joe told me. It's and I have that same same absolute same feeling. As you'll get, I'll be like Howard interviews David Crosby, and I'll be like, man, I don't care about this. Right. I just don't care. <laughs> Nothing against David Crosby. I just don't care. Right? right. That is not something in my wheelhouse. And then I'll listen to it for twenty minutes, and then forty minutes, and then an hour, and I'm like, man, this is awesome. You know. This this dude's this dude's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the effect he has on people. And, and the funny thing is that while and while he does not like sports at all, he has had some pretty unbelievable sports guests on over the years, back, you know, in terrestrial and, and series. But I mean he had George Steinbrenn on the show. He had um, Mickey Mantle on the show. He famously, famously had O. J. Simpson on the show. 
Um, That's right. Look out. Um, so he will put a sports person on there. He's, he's had Belichick on the show. Uh, Which is incredible. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, Kraft, Robert Kraft goes on with Gary every year now from the Super Bowl on the wrap-up show. So it's it. So sports is an odd part of the show, and it's always fun when he tries to sort of riff on it because he doesn't know what he's talking about. But um, yeah, it, it's I I wonder if there is I wonder if what I there has to be a broadcasting connection though for these guys like Buck and Michaels. I guess there's an envy there that Howard can just turn on a microphone and go and go and go. There's obviously some sort, something in the business there that makes them have some connection. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One is just his talent, you know, just his ability to kind of eat innings and, you know, be entertaining and be the focal point of a show hour after hour. But I think specifically it's one, the celebrity interviews, right? Because every, I think every, just about every sportscaster, but really every broadcaster has said, at least privately, I really want to do interviews like Howard Stern does. Right. I want to do my version of that, where I get really deep with celebrities and I do my thing, and and you know we have these long talks. And and as a Scott Farrell, who's portrayed a guy in the article, everybody thinks they can do this. Nobody actually can do this as well. Right. As can. So that's one. And then the second thing is Jimmy. I just think, and you know this, it's like kind of every sports cast and every sports radio show is kind of a. PG version of the Howard Stern show now, right. just in its format. Absolutely. Like you look at Dan Patrick, who is a Stern fan too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Certainly, he was at his 60th birthday party, and that show is with all the Danettes and them sitting there and him making fun, him goofing on them, and they they messed up, and you know you're talking about production mistakes on the air. That's that's Stern. Yeah. Matthew Barry's podcast, which he told me he legitimate, you know he specifically modeled it. That's Stern, you know, stuff on the ringer, right? Where every podcast producer has a nickname. Yeah. Hey, it's crazy Jim. Hey, you know, that that's Stern. I, listen, that, and I just think at some fundamental level, like we all just took that model, right? cleaned it up slightly and made it our own. And it's amazing. And, and not even just the model. I know from doing this, po- I mean, I, I've listened to Stern 30 years now, and I've always said to, for me, the biggest influences in my sort of career, even though I ended up doing an internet thing, was Howard and Mike and the Mad Dog. And one of the things I loved about Howard, which I like to do on this podcast, which, but, you know, the, my producer and the higher ups, they sort of have a stroke, but, and I want any noise or any fuck up in the podcast. Like if the, if, if a drink spills, if a door opens, if someone's mic cuts out, I want it all in there. Cause I remember the early days of Howard when he would call someone and you'd hear the dial tone. And you'd hear the beeping while he was dialing. You'd hear the crunching of the papers. He'd burp into the microphone. And like mm-hmm. we said at, way back at the beginning of this interview, like you never heard anything like that. It captured you right away, just all that stuff. So everyone who does any yeah. sort of broadcasting, if they ever listen to Howard, I think takes bits and pieces of it. Yeah, and that's another thing. If, you know, I don't think, even think I put this in a piece. I think Robert Flores told me this, but it's just this idea that as broadcasters, Anybody who does this, whether it's on a podcast or a radio show or TV or whatever, is that he proved that being letter perfect, which is often a really important thing for sportscasters, may not be really the best thing that you can do. Right. That sort of owning your mistakes, being yourself, right? right? Not trying to talk like Mr. Announcer guy, you know, that, and I think that speaks to people too, because when he was burping into the mic and talking with his voice that he famously thought was terrible, 
he was connecting with people on a deeper level than, you know, Mr. Golden Throated DJ guy. Right. Right. And I think that speaks to sportscaster too, because I think we, we all, you know, the, the, the sort of, right. The, the gag is uh, everybody needs to sound like this. Right. And then it's a three, two count and high flight of center field. <laughs> and a lot of those guys sounded like that at times in their career. And then maybe with some influence from Howard, maybe not. They eventually said, I just need to talk like myself. Right. And I need to be myself and people will like me. Right. They won't like this idea of a broadcaster. They'll like me. And, and, and I think that's a very Howard thing too. And, and the skill and the talent is when there was a mess up or something, he, that ended up becoming the bit. I mean, he could be doing the yep. smoothest radio show in the world and then poor Gary, once Gary messes something up, it's a half an hour of them destroying Gary and then it's the funniest radio in the world. So it, it's also that ability to just change it up on the fly and t- turn any segment. You know, he knew, you know, he... In the back of his head, he knows Gary messing up is good. And yeah. then it becomes, you know, an even better segment than it already was. Um, totally. Yeah, totally. And I think that, I think in a weird, in a weird way, that may be the most influential thing that he's ever done. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Because that's to me, again, that's every sports radio show now. That's every show. Um, everybody has that producer guy and they're always making fun of him. And he's always, he's really good at his job, but he's always kind of not quite pleasing the boss. Right. I mean, everybody has taken that gag and made it their own. And that's the thing. If he's and if he's still on, I you know I don't understand why people listen to the wannabes instead of him. But teach his own. I mean, that's you know personal choice, I guess. But it's funny <laughs> you mentioned Dan Patrick at the 60th birthday party. And I'm thinking back because I was lucky enough. I was there myself. I got very lucky and was able to go. And um, look at you. Yeah, and uh, it's good to have connections at Sirius. And um, I remember Kraft was there. David Stern was there. Gary Bettman was there, God. and it's like this is a guy who hates. Yeah, and it's like this is a guy who hates sports, and all those guys were there. So, um, I rem- Gary Bettman is a weird is a weird one there. By the way, I mean David Stern kind of too. Uh, yeah, there were the, the commissioners were there, Kraft, and there were, I think there were a couple of other sports people, but I'm, like I, my memory is not as is not great. But I remember there was there was a handful of bizarre sports guests in the audience. And that's all again. I think that's all um, Gary as well. You know, doing all that, like you said. Yeah, and I think and Howard has this thing where anybody who's famous or kind of sort of famous, he's interested in if he can goof on them yeah. or if he can, you know, get them down and do a kind of an interesting interview. He, he'll go there, right? He's just like, yeah, okay, sure, you know. It's funny. Bring him in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about, you know, you, you mentioned the article he had used um, Len Berman, who's a local guy here in New York, on <laughs> things. Uh, you know, I yeah. had I had Iron Eagle on this podcast few months ago maybe a little longer than that and he told a great story if anyone wants to hear it go into the archives he told a great story about gary was trying to get iron to uh judge oh god what contest it was something completely inappropriate i don't know if it was like you know hot mothers and daughters or or some farting contest i forgot exactly what it was but they wanted iron to be the play-by-play guy and iron passed on it for obvious reasons but um you know, it was always great that they would bring in. I'm thinking though, the one the one sports guy who I don't think is a fan or would ever go on is, is probably Marv, because you know yeah. Howard had the mugshot of Marv hanging in the studio for years and years and years. I think that's one that probably uh, 
Although that would be a great interview if you know Marv ever talked about it, but we know Marv's never going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah, that I think he's definitely probably passing on that yeah. uh, on that invitation. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine Sean McManus's face when when he gets the you know Iron Eagle yeah. media request to go on Howard Stern. I just, I, I, somehow I think that's not. Somehow I think Eric Shanks uh, is approving that for Buck before Sean McManus is approving that for for Ian. And Ian would love to go on. I just don't think Ian wants to judge. I don't know whatever it was. You know, it might have been biggest poop in the diaper kind. It was something so so out there. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if any CBS guys have been on there. I guess I can't. Nance would not go on there. I don't think. Um, <laughs> not, not not exactly his yeah. form. No, it's it's actually perfect for Joe Buck. Um, and yeah, Al Michaels has always been great on there. And uh, there's been others throughout the years. I'm drawing a blank now, but like I said, it's uh, Lynn. Lynn Berman's actually been on a ton of times, uh, and Matthew Berry's been on six times, which surprised me. He, I mean, that's like yeah. that's a that's a pretty big number. Well, he did the fantasy league with the guys from the show, so they'd always have him on to sort of get the lowdown on what's yep. going on. Like he had that U.S. He did that tennis tournament, the Nassau Coliseum U.S. Open soars, and I think they had. Someone they had someone famous there doing the play by play. Maybe it was Len, maybe that was Len Berman too. That might have been him as well. But they had yeah. a New York a local New York guy there doing that too. So, all right. Well, I yeah. He, Len, Len told me he did like a horse game between Robin and oh and Dominic uh, Barber. Dominic yeah, Barber, yeah, old lawyer, right? Yeah, Dominic Barber. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That caused a lot <laughs> did, of problems. Did, that was not. That was a little little. That was a deep cut for me. So yeah. that was. I did not remember that, and but uh, they also, wow, they also, so obviously you did. They also did a bit, yeah, see, I told you it was an eight. Um, <laughs> they did something in Vegas, too, where I think Artie either played basketball against a woman or maybe he faced a woman pitcher in softball. They did something like that, too, and I think they may have had a, a sports guy do the play. All that stuff's on, it, it, I think a lot of that stuff's on YouTube if people want to dig for it, but I appreciate you coming on on it's short. It's very findable. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on on short notice. Like I said, I, this was the quickest booking i've ever had and um not to kiss your ass but i'll do it anyway you come up with the best ideas for stories i gotta say so oh keep, nice. keep doing what See, you're doing this is, now we've now we've gone astray from the howard stern style interview because you know, no one, now, i feel like i feel nice. yeah i feel like well listen you've said it all but <laughs> i have <laughs> to i have to say that no one thinks of the ideas you do so i i i, I appreciate that and um you should try to see if bill see if bill will let you sneak on that podcast with howard Oh my God! I just I'm I'm I mean to be a fly. There's so many of his to, for the fly on the wall moment, but man, that might be the. Let me ask actually. you this. Okay, let's do this. If let let's say hypothetically, Bill lets let you co-host that podcast, and you could ask Howard one question. What question would you ask him? I don't know. You know, I am I am really interested in the reinvention. Mm -hmm. I really am, and not not the sincerity of it, but just the way he thinks about it. Because you've seen him in these interviews say like, "I'm not." I hate the first two books that I wrote. Right. I can't. And and remember, at the time, those were the greatest books, obviously somewhat tongue-in-cheek, in the history of literature yeah. for him. Yeah. You know, huge bestsellers and all this stuff. And, and you know, now it's like I can't look at that stuff anymore. I can't listen to my old tapes anymore. I don't want us to replay things where I'm being mean to people that I don't want to be mean to anymore. And just how he processes that, to me, I feel we've gotten a little bit of it. We've gotten kind of like an inch deep in some of these interviews he's done, but to me, that's just a fascinating yeah. topic because I said in the po in the piece, it's like there are a lot of people who wrote for the internet who are doing a very very similar version of that in our age. Right? You know, they have stuff they're not proud of, and now they're trying to kind of be different and reinvent themselves. And I think 
you know, just kind of probing that topic anyway. That's 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 where I'd go. Yeah, I, I have to say I've been a little, you know, he did interviews with The Hollywood Reporter, New York Times, Washington Post, and I've been a little, yep. pass this along to, to Bill Simmons, tell him this is from Jimmy Traynor Hill. Um, the one thing I've been a little disappointed in is, is these interviewers are focused too much and ask too many questions about Trump. I, I don't give a shit. I, if yeah. you're interviewing Howard Stern, okay, we got it. Trump used to go on the radio show. He used to say outrageous things. Now he's the president. He's a maniac. Okay, we got it. He's elected. He's going to be here another year and a half. <laughs> We've got it all. We don't need to ask. Every interview is asking him all these questions about Trump, and I'm not interested. I'm interested in Howard. Yeah, I know. It's like every it's like every interview now, no matter what the subject has, like an obligatory ten Trump minutes. Yeah, and you know, do you have anything to say about Trump? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got you here. Anything, anything yeah, like I'm not. I, there's so much. There's so many more interesting things to talk to him about. I think, but that's just my opinion. All right. Well, oh, man. I look forward to to Bill doing that uh, podcast on the Ringer, and you can also check out Brian Curtis's article, "The Stat Pack: Why Sportscasters Idolize Howard Stern." on TheRinger.com. Thanks for coming on, and uh, I'm sure I will talk to you soon. We've said it all. Thanks, Thank Jimmy. you. Take care. All right, my thanks to Brian Curtis of The Ringer and Chad Finn from the Boston Globe for coming on this week's SI Media Podcast. Check out past interviews in the archive. Mike Breen, who's getting ready to call the Western Conference Finals and then the NBA Finals. He was on last week, if you haven't check that out make sure you download it ian rapaport nfl network insider was on two weeks ago jim nance three weeks ago so go into the archive subscribe rate review download that wraps up this edition of the sports illustrated media podcast thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.